We're finishing up our Thriving in Work series this morning. And the passage this morning is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you today. I feel like it was a bit of God's gift to have the fallback uh, our game to be today for one, helping our team do it a little bit better, but also because we're finishing our series, Thriving in Work, on that all-important all matter of rest. So hopefully you're a little well-rested. Those of you with little kids, I know you didn't actually get that extra hour. Doesn't work that way. Had to figure that out the hard way myself when we had little ones, but it's coming back around when you get that other hour. Um, welcome. We're excited to get into this topic with you. We're going to be talking about rest today, and I think it's so important on a number of fronts but not least of which, because so many of us know that we're living with these uh, all-present uh, contradictions at work with, when it comes to work and rest. I mean, our society on a whole, and especially here in the Silicon Valley, is working extra hard to develop technology and devices and all the rest of it to work less, to work more efficiently. Except the only problem with that is the net effect of it is we're working more more, and more intensely and all, and all the rest of it. And then we're coming out of the lockdown. And during the lockdown, everybody thought, okay, we're working from home. Certainly we're going to get more rest, right? But all the data suggests very strongly that that was not the case. If anything, we're working more. And, you know, those commute hours were just converted to more, working more. And, and now that we're coming out of the pandemic, all signs are showing that we're, like, trying to make up for lost time that was never lost. We're just working... It's just always happening. I, I wonder if I put up a, an image of a hamster running on. I wonder how many of us would say, you know, that's representative of my work life. Now, I wonder how many of us would say this is representative of our souls when it comes to our work life. I saw a few head nods with that. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about rest because work, and especially here in the Silicon Valley, it, it has a way of just taking over our lives. Uh, we know this, right? It has a way of taking over our lives. So we're doing this series, Thriving in Work, so that we're not just surviving through it, but really thriving in, in the midst of our work. And a very important component of this, of thriving in our work, is not only resting, but resting well. It seems to me that Christians really know, really understand, at least we ought to, that rest is really important. I mean, it's one of the commandments, right? One of... Six, one of seven days, you're, you're supposed to rest. We're going to be talking about that today. It's one of the commandments, and yet, and I'm no theologian here, I almost wonder if that's the commandment of all of them we tend to break the most. And still worse, we glory in overworking. We glory in saying, oh yeah, I'm really busy. But the scriptures would, would warn us, would, would really push back and say, don't, don't deceive yourself. You might just be pulling the wool over your eyes. Uh, a parallel text to the one we're looking at literally says, quote, you must rest. 
We've got to rest. We've got to be intentional about it. We've got to be disciplined about it. It's not just going to happen. So today we're going to look at the ancient practice of Sabbath rest. And more specifically, we're going to look at what it is and how we can build it in our, into our lives. Uh, so what it, what it is, what Sabbath is, and how we can build it in our lives. We're going to try to get real practical in that, in that part, but what Sabbath is and how to build it in. Let's pray, and then we'll, then we'll jump in. Father, yeah, I imagine many of us coming today feeling like that hamster on the wheel when it comes to work, when it comes to uh, our souls. We're just, we're just running frantically. Sometimes it feels like we're not getting anywhere. Lord, we, we know there's often many things behind that, but one key, key component that you highlight, and not just our text today, but so, so often throughout your scriptures, is that we must rest, and we must rest well. And we confess as a society, we in particular probably don't do a great job of that. In fact, we don't. So would you help us in this? If anybody is especially weary today, feeling just laden with burden, I pray that you especially meet them Give them your rest. But please open up your scriptures now uh, by the power of your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we are, we are in the book of De Deuteronomy. We're, gonna, we're talking about first what Sabbath is, what the Sabbath rest is. The book of Deuteronomy is also known as the Torah. It's known as the Pentateuch. It's the fifth of five books that Moses uh, wrote or recorded for us in the, in the Old Testament. And Deuteronomy really is a retelling of the law. Deuteronomy is a retelling of all the laws because the people of Israel were on the precipice at this point when Moses was addressing them of entering into the promised land. Uh, imagine you know the story. They were out in the desert for 40 years wandering. Well, here they are getting ready to go into the promised land, become an established people, an established nation. And Moses is saying, all right, we need to come back to what it's all about. And so they, he does this retelling of the law. In fact, it's three sermons. Uh, we're in the first of... of of the three, and here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he's retelling the Ten Commandments, which you can find back in Exodus 20. He, he kind of goes over them again, and here, of course, we're focusing in on one of the commandments, that is to keep the Sabbath, or to remember it, or, quote, in our text, to observe it. The first thought here is you and I are designed for both work and rest. We are designed for it. I mean, uh, well, let's look at the text here. So observe the Sabbath day, keeping it holy, verse 12, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Uh, so often in the scriptures, Sabbath is intimately connected to the creation accounts. It's always just the Sabbath go, like goes hand in hand with, God, with what God established through the Genesis 1 and 2 creation accounts. Uh, we were seen there that God worked for six days, and then on the seventh, he rested. Uh, and what we also see there in Genesis 1 and 2 is that we are made in his image. So we work because we follow a God. We are made by a God who works. And it's wonderful. If you have the time to go back and look at the creation accounts, God is just rolling up his sleeves and getting to it with the work. You know, just all the creation going on there, all the or organizing that's going on, all the bringing things about, tilling the ground, producing, it's, it's all there. And we work because he works. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Did you know the scriptures teach there will be work in heaven? I remember when I was a little guy, I heard that. I was like, no, that stinks. You've got to be kidding me. First time I heard that, I was like, work in heaven? Heaven just got a little less cool. Like, come on. But that's because I was looking at it through the lens of what we understand work to be. Because what you need to understand as far as the scriptures 
uh, layout goes. Genesis 1 and 2 is before sin entered the world. That happens in Genesis 3. Work was first introduced before sin ever, ever entered into the world. And so, so often when I, when I think about like, you know, work being in heaven in that moment when I was younger, I, I was just thinking of how frustrating work is. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do that in heaven. Count me out. It's like, man. But that's forgetting the fact that so much of work is frustrated because of sin in the world. That's Genesis 3. And, and so, but we all understand, all of us hopefully have experienced when we're doing work and there's just a time where a certain project or a certain team meeting of collaboration and there's just like moment where we just feel caught up in just how satisfying it is to do the work. You know, just how fulfilling, how joy-filled it can be. Some of you are like, I never really experienced that. Okay, but hopefully sometime. I remember I had a mentor that said, if you are doing a job where you enjoy 60% of it, you are, you are in a great job. I was like, is that supposed to be encouraging? <laughs> but I, I mean, so work is part of what we're, it's part of who we are, and, and we understand why it's wonderful, because one, it's, it's helping us like give back to the benefit of society, helping others too. It's just really fulfilling. It's kind of, we get to use our gifts. You know, Ephesians 2.10 perhaps says it best when it says, we are God's handiwork. In fact, that word there is masterpiece. Like he worked most of all on us. We're like the epitome of his creation. He said, uh, and about us, he said, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're, we're designed for work. Okay, but we're also designed for rest. We need, we need rest. And just think about this for a moment. If work was created before sin entered in the world, note that so too was rest in the world before sin entered the world. Meaning if rest was needed before work got so frustrating and sin and all that, how much more do we need rest now? We, we are made to rest. Six days, verse 13 says again, you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then coming back to verse 12, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay, so what is Sabbath rest? Well, when it says to keep something holy, that means to set it apart. Literally, it means to set it apart. It means to set it apart as sacred. I once heard a pastor say it this way, six days you should go out and do the secular but you'd have one day where it's, it's set aside as sacred. That thought always stuck with me. Uh, this is why, for instance, Christians for millennia have set aside Sunday, one day of the week, to uh, practice Sabbath in worship, in corporate devotion. That's always been good, wonderful, built in. I would just humbly say, as a quick sidebar here, that's all the more important to fight for today. I mean, coming out of the lockdown when everything was online and it was easy just to do what we've called pajama church or pancake church, you know, it, there's just something to fight to be in the room because nothing replaces being in the room. Now, we're going to continue to do online as best we can for as long as that makes sense because we want to have something available for those who you can't make it for whatever reason or if you're sick, whatever, that you're traveling, whatever it might be. But there's, there's, we need to fight all the more to be disciplined, say, on Sabbath, practicing and be in corporate worship. There's something about just kind of worshiping alongside the sisters and brothers of the faith. Another quick sidebar before moving on is there's a reason why the Christian church now celebrates, or at least has for the last 2,000 years, uh, on Sunday. Because before Christ, it was always celebrated on Saturday. I don't know if you've ever wondered about that. But the reason for that switch was once Jesus died and then rose again on the, thir on, the, on the third day, which is the first day of the week, the early church declared that the Lord's Day or Resurrection Day. 
and just pivoted that day to be Sabbath from that point on. And without getting in all the, the details of it, I think that's good. That's right. If you can celebrate it on Sunday, I think that's, that's good and appropriate. Okay, so Christians have always tried to keep Sabbath on Sunday, setting apart as sacred. Uh, that's part of what Sabbath is, but it's not all that it is. It's just a sacred idea, and we'll come back more to what that means, unpacking it when we get to the more practical section of how we live it out. But Sabbath is sacred, but Sabbath is also more than just uh, sacred and, and, and worship. There, there's more going on to it. Uh, so again, I mentioned earlier that Sabbath is always uh, real real intimately connected to the creation accounts where God created and he himself rested, it's worth noting that the way that Sabbath came about was in God just kind of looking back over all that he had worked on, taking it all in. So when you, if you look at the creation accounts, you'll see this theme that just kind of keeps coming up. God created the light, and he looked back, and he said, it was good. He created, he created the lands and, and the water, and he looked back, and he said, it was good. He created vegetation. It was good. You know, animals in the, in the sea, it was good. Animals on land, and, and it was good. And then he created humankind. And looking over all of it, he said it was very good. And we're told, and he then rested. There's a key part of Sabbath that is, 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 is looking over everything together with the joy of God and, and declaring things are good by taking it all in. Allow me to use a bit of a, an illustration if I can. Uh, I love photography. I'm not very good at it. Uh, I'll just say that right now. But, but I love it. It's kind of become a hobby. I'm not terrible, but I'm not like, I can't do a career out of it kind of thing. Um, I just, I love all aspects of photography. Uh, you know, capturing a picture is a wonderful thing. You could just spend so much time thinking about how to get the right angles of a certain subject or background or whatever it might be. Light has way more of an effect on photography than I ever thought about before I got into it. And I just love all that. So I love capturing the photo. I love the technology, a part of it. Like how, how, how big do you want to open up the aperture to, to affect the depth of field? Do you want, do you want the, the background to be out of focus or in focus? Or, or how, how fast should you set the, sh the shutter speed so that, you know, do you want some blur effect to create the idea of motion? Or do you want to keep everybody frozen in time? Like there's all this technology. And I love that. It's really fun. And then I love the editing component. You know, phones are really catching up with the technology there, but their sensors are so small. But, so if you take a photo with a, big, with a big lens and a big sensor, it just captures all the light, all this information. So when you edit, you can pull that information out that you can't with a smaller camera. And you see, okay, you get the point. Like, there's so much that goes into these photos. I love it. But then there's something that happens in particular when I send it off and get back from Shutterfly or whatever, this little album. And I'm looking at these photos with, you know, the kids and Cindy, and we're just taking it in, and we're just like, man, isn't this cool? Look at this cherished memory. I'm not thinking about the shutter speed or the aperture or the editing. I will say, though, that all those technical pieces in the background make that experience all the richer. But there's something happening, like when we get that photo back and I get to do it with my family, you know, extra, it's fun there, of taking it all in and being like, wow, this is good. And I just feel like, friends, so often we don't do that with our work, with the very thing we're spending so much of our life doing. We don't stop and see how it was good. And maybe even seeing some of the good and the frustration and all that sort of, Sabbath has, has a built-in component to just take it all in. Thank God for it. Just, And if we're not doing that, we're missing out. In fact, if we're not doing that, our souls 
are missing out. We've got to work. I love how Tim Keller, a former pastor of Cindy's of Mind, uh, put it. He said, Sabbath rest is more than external rest of the body. It is about inner rest of the soul. So Sabbath is sacred. It's rest, but it's also replenishing. Sabbath ought to replenish ourselves physically, mentally. Our society is really big on that. No number of you guys are taking kind of these, you know, mental health cohorts and stuff like that. We need to be replenished mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Sabbath ought to have a component that really fills your tank. Jesus at one point said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Just think about that for a minute. He's basically saying Sabbath isn't a rule to be followed, but a gift to be received. Are you regularly receiving that gift? Because it's available to you. So Sabbath is sacred, it's, it's restful, it's, it's meant to be replenishing. And then Sabbath is also meant to be freeing. Okay, look at this from verse 15. Remember that you are slaves in Egypt. Okay, so Moses is talking to the Israelites as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. They've been wandering for 40 years. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Notice the therefore. He said, you guys were slaves. Now, make sure you're taking the day off. This was kind of an unexpected theme of this series. It wasn't really planned, but it's just wonderful how it kind of worked out. Work and slavery. It's kind of like the idea that keeps... Cindy talked about it. It was in her text a couple weeks ago. Uh, CT had it in his uh, last week. And here it is again in our text today. And I think we can all see that work can really easily have an enslaving component to it if we're not careful. And the point... God is saying here, I believe, through his text, is a key way in making sure it doesn't have the yoke of sla- like slavery-type feel to it is to make sure you are resting. Make sure you're not enslaved to, you know, the material world, working so that you can buy more things. Make sure you're not enslaved to always having to just advance so that you can have success. Make sure you're not enslaved to others' expectations where if you, you know, you have to work extra only because they're going to get on you or, or your own expectations or all the rest of it. There's a freeing component to it. Why? Because when we take our Sabbath, we say, God, we are completely dependent on you. I can trust you to work even when I'm not working. I really want this advancement. I really want to make this impact through my work, but I can trust that as hard as I'm working throughout the week, I can take this one to trust you. You're going to do it if you want it to happen. So Sabbath is, is freeing. And then And then last but not least, Sabbath is a way to help us experience and live out the gospel. Gospel literally meaning the good news. Because we already mentioned that God is a worker. Well, God's greatest work was sending his son into the world to live the life that we ought to live but don't and to die the death that we deserve, namely being separated from God himself so that we can be brought into his family by faith. And the wonderful thing about that, so Jesus on the cross literally said the words, it is finished. He was saying the work is finished. The only work that can actually free us from the slavery of all the effects of of sin and and our work had been done on the cross. Uh, Meaning, when Jesus died for us, we can trust him with with our ultimate value, meaning, and purpose, which we often try to find in in the workplace. The reason why work can be so straining and anxiety-inducing and hamster-running type feel is because we're trying to, underneath it all, find our purpose and meaning in that as the main target. And God is saying, you don't have to keep going for that. 
I've freed you because I've done the only thing that you really need done for you, and that is bringing you back into relationship with God, who will always love you unconditionally. And you can trust when you feel stressed in the workplace or stressed from taking a break and resting on a given day. Uh, Jesus at one point said he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of rest. That's why he could say things like, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. One of the greatest blessings of the gospel is that Jesus gives you rest in a way nothing else can. Okay, there's a lot more we can unpack, but we've got to keep moving here. Uh, that's what Sabbath is, uh, real short. It's these things. It's sacred. It's, it's meant to be restful. It's meant to be replenishing. It's, it's meant to be uh, living out the gospel. It's meant to be freeing. Okay, how do we practice it? Uh, real quickly, let's talk about the, the length of time. The scriptures seem to indicate one 24-hour of uninterrupted time. And the only thing I would stress there is if you can ideally do that, try to do that. One 24-hour period of time. Uh, back in the, in the day, the Israelites would take uh, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And they would just try to, that would be their Sabbath. And so if, you could, if your schedule allows you to do one interrupted 24-hour period, I'd highly encourage you to be able to do that. And the only thing I say to that is if you're the person who is going to say in that 24-hour period, oh, but I just have that one email, try real hard to not go there. The best you can. Find an uninterrupted time if, if you can. Okay, so how do we practice it? Okay, we're just going to give some thoughts, and these are compiled from different Christian practices and, and gleaning from the scriptures, of course, starting, starting with our own. Um, this is not meant to be a formula for how we practice it, because by definition, the Lord gives us a lot of freedom when it comes to practicing Sabbath. He gives us principles, but not a lot of prescriptions. Not, you better do this, this, and this. He just gives us, hey, think about these things. So let's consider these things. First, I would consider, I would consider how you're wired. Remember, Jesus said, Sabbath's not made uh, for man. Man, uh, excuse me, the Sabbath is not for man, but, uh, for, but man for the Sabbath. Boy, I did not get that right. <laughs> the Sabbath is made for man, not for the Sabbath. There you go. And we're all different. You know, every human being is different. So, for instance, you guys know Myers-Briggs. If you're an extrovert, if you're an E on that, you're probably going to get replenished by hanging out with people, at least part of you, right? If you're an introvert, you're probably not going to feel all restful if you're, you're stacking out your day hanging out with people. And if you're an introvert married to an extrovert, yeah, good luck with that. We have counseling available tonight. <laughs> In all seriousness, no, you got to work it out. You got to have conversations. Maybe the introvert watches the kids for, I'm making this up. You know, you got to have a conversation, right? Consider how you're wired. If you're a Myers-Briggs J, those are the people who have every minute of the day planned. That's you. You need to plan to have unplanned time. Does that work for you, Jays? <laughs> it's like, you can plan to have unplanned time. Because there needs to be some time where you just not do it. You just go with the flow. If you're Myers-Briggs uh, P, that means you're just going with the flow all the time. You probably need some built-in intentional time. Because you can't just only do that. You probably need some sort of, you know what I'm saying? And you work it out if you're in a relationship. Okay, number, so consider how you're wired. Number two, take time for an activity unrelated to your work. So I mentioned earlier that I, I like to do photography. Uh, it, was, it was funny. I, I've been, down the years, I've been 
talking to pastors, like, hey, how do you take Sabbath rest? And just asking them. I have found anecdotally that the vast majority of pastors are doing something with their hands. They're like building stuff. They're like repairing stuff. They're doing photography. They're doing barbecue. And I have found the reason for that is all of that has nothing to do with people. (laughs) That's my thought. (laughs) It's like... Now, pastors love people. Otherwise, why would you be a pastor? But the point is, you got to find something unrelated to your work. And and just to play on that a little bit further, I also love photography because, you know, when you're working with people, and hey, you know, you don't have to be just a pastor working with people. Some of you guys are just doing a lot. Your your job is really emphasis with people. But, like, the thing about working with people is you very rarely get to, like, experience a project from start to finish. It's like to take a picture and have something at the end. You're like, that was kind of cool. It's a complete product there. If you're sitting at a desk all day, maybe you want to do something with people. Build that in. Find a way to serve people if that brings you replenishment as you do it. I would just humbly say, though, it took me a long time to find photography and and barbecue. You might think that's just kind of a throwaway, no big deal thought. But guys, if you can find a hobby where you are, oh, this is not in my notes, but we have a mentor who said, where you can routinely lose track of time while doing. That's the goal. Find something unrelated to your, to your work so you can be doing that. Uh, number three, take time for reflection and contemplation. No matter how you slice this, regular time of, of worship, prayer, devotion for the Christ follower is exceedingly important and, and a part of Sabbath rest. And I would just say, too, one of the things you can do is just kind of, you know, take the, the lens out. Man, a lot of photography illustrations today. Take the lens out and just look at your life, the macro, and just kind of take it in. If you're a journaler, which I'm not, you could write about it. Just like, Lord, thank you for going. Um, so take time for reflection, contemplation, worship. Corporate worship is a huge part of this. Uh, take time for recreation. Uh, even if you're not a hiker or walker, somebody who, like, you know, is going to initiate to do that, you know that when you go out on a trail or something like that, there's something replenishing about it. And for me, because I'm not a big hiker, but Cindy loves it, so some, sometimes we'll go. Even for me, it's like, I mean, there's just so much perspective you get when you're out in nature. Because it just takes you away from the elements. Find time to do that. Um, oh, uh, Nancy Orberg, who's, who's been here with us before, she talks about how she feels most replenished when she's out surfing in Half Moon Bay. So, I don't, you know, find, find your thing. Uh, un, uh, uh, related to that, take time to unplug from technology. Now, of course, there's no direct application from the scriptures on this, but I think the principles are, are kind of clear. You need to find things that replenish you. And here's the metaphor that I'm working with. Like, if you put a young kid on screen time for any length of time, even when they're like, I want it, I need it, you put them on there, what happens when they get off? Ah, oh, I'm so rested. No. No, it's the complete opposite. They're like worked up and wired. And, and I think we understand this as adults, and maybe not everybody's this way, but I've, I have found it's often the case where if you binge on a TV show, and at the end of it, you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm watching all this TV. And not just tired from like your eyes, but just like, I, you know what I mean? Like unplugged from technology. And I think just, if I could say this, I'm not trying to be any prophet here or something like that, but I feel like the more time advances and technologi- technological advances come our way, we need to be more intentional about this. Unplugging from technology. Number six, be mindful to help others practice Sabbath. That's in our text in verse 14. Moses says, Sabbath is not just for you, but for, quote, your sons and daughters, your servants, even your animals need some Sabbath love. 
Of course, that was a farming society, so, you know, take it for what it is. But we do need to be thoughtful of others being able to practice Sabbath. So parents, think about your kids. Are they getting good rest? Managers, are you making sure that your teams are getting the rest that they need? You know, I think it's like, it's the gold star on this is Chick-fil-A. a little bittersweet on this one, because what's the worst place to suggest to go to lunch after church on a Sunday? It's Chick-fil-A. Like, you'll literally hear groans out in the lobby if someone says, let's go to Chick-fil-A after church. It's like, no, it's not open. It's like, oh. But it's actually beautiful, right? Because based on the founder being Christian and their values, they're saying, hey, we want to establish this as a day where not only we as Christians, that, you know, they themselves get one of seven where we just take it off and people can go. But we let our employees do that. And hey, they'll have time to go to church. They won't, you know, have to go and work for us so they can't go to church if they don't want to do that. Like we want to build that into the system. And you know what, just to take that a step forward, I think it's so cool. Like it seems to me like that business, okay, I'm not in business, so forgive me for musing on your time here for a second. I would think that the business model would say, you should be especially open on Sundays, Chick-fil-A. How many churches like ours are like, let's go get Chick-fil-A afterward? I feel like you'd almost make more business, not just being open one more day, but especially being open after church on Sunday. They've got to know that, and, and yet they're still like, no, 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 we're going to be mindful of helping others get Sabbath rest. If you struggle with that, start with yourself, but don't let that affect others. Make sure you guys are helping others on your team, your kids, your family, your spouse, whatever. Number seven, respect the phase of life you're in. This is a thought from, a, from another pastor I thought was, was really insightful. When you look at the, the cycles of rest and work in Israel's history, you'll find that they, there's, there's cyclical rhythms to it. So there's Sabbath day in a week, but then there's a Sabbath year called a sabbatical, and then there's a Sabbath, well, 49 years, year of Jubilee, seven times seven years. Um, now, a lot of this we are no longer under the, like the year of Jubilee was an Israel-specific thing, but there's something to say about respecting the phase of, of life you're in. So, for instance, if you're in medical school or residency, you're not going to be able to celebrate or keep or observe Sabbath the way you will the rest of your life when you get out of that intense time. If you are parents of little kids... You're probably not going to just be able to, quote, get away from the kids all that easily. Hey, I'm going to go Sabbath. And it's like, well, what about me? The other parent says. Like, I, you know what I mean? But so, so respect the phase of life you're in, but be mindful of it. And I would just say to the young parents, like, you know, speaking as one of now older, a little bit older kids than little, little ones, that time passes quickly. You know that. But be mindful in, this, in these phases of life. Doctors, when you guys were in the middle of the pandemic, we were praying for you guys. Coming out of it, you're still just like up to your, over your head and, and catching up with all the demands on your time. Just make sure that you're the best you can getting some rest as you can. And, and I would just humbly say, also try to be accountable. Have somebody say, hey, are you getting your rest? And be willing to say, no, I'm not. I, need, I, I shouldn't be doing Honor the respect of your life. Um, at a time, when you're starting a company, by the way, which I know a few of you guys are, you need to be mindful of that, not doing it too long. Um, at a time when many pastors are burning out, statistically, New York Times are writing articles on this right now. Uh, Cindy and I are very grateful that the elder board has initiated to, to give us a, a sabbatical rest next year. You can pray for us in that. We're trying to think about how that'll, that'll come, come to be and how it'll shape out, but we're grateful for them helping, helping bring that together. 
Uh, I was just this last week unrelated to any of this. wasn't talking about the sermon or anything or sabbatical or anything. And I was with another pastor in the area, and he was talking with other pastors, and I just happened to be listening to it. He said, every church has a sabbatical plan for their pastor. And we all just kind of looked at him, because like some pastors have it on paper or not. He said, every church has a sabbatical plan. If they don't have it on paper, they're just going to burn out their pastor, and their pastor's going to leave, and they're going to get their sabbatical that way. He's like, you got to make sure. I was just like, thanks for saying that. So, um, But we're going to be thinking about that and trying to figure that out into the next year. But I would just say, too, while we're on the topic of sabbatical, there is something about taking roughly every seven, every seven years, which that'll be true for, for me and Cindy, but, but for you in, in, in the secular world, taking one every, se- every seven years or so to kind of take a little bit of extended time. Take a little bit, and actually I know some of, some of your companies are actually kind of initiating that. I'm hearing more and more sabbaticals in the secular world, but I would just say there's something about being mindful of that. Uh, one of our mentors says it this way, there's, there's, a, there's a time in your life when you need to kind of get out of the water. If you're a fish swimming in water, you need to get out of the water to kind of see everything for what it is and get some perspective, appreciate the water you're swimming in. Last one, so we just said uh, respect the phase of life. Last one is brainstorm ideas with others. Okay, I do want to say that whenever Christians start to try to put very nuts and bolts practices on things like Sabbath, we've got to be very careful because that can easily slip into legalism. can easily... F- slip into something where we feel like, oh, I've got to do it, and then we lose the point of the whole exercise, and that is getting rest. So be mindful of that. I'll just say that. But there's something about going around and asking people who are, say, in a similar career field. You heard me say, I've been asking pastors, because I'm like, what do you do to get rest? Doing that in the same career that you do, other Christians in that spot, asking people who are wired like you, hey, you're super introverted. How do you use your, you know, just brainstorming with others, asking people in a similar phase of life, how are you Sabbathing? All to help us become more efficient and effective with our Sabbath rest, this gift that God's given. Okay, so what does this all come down to? My, our team found a really cute picture of a hamster. So we got the hamster on the wheel, of course. And then we got this other hamster. It's really cute. It takes a little while, but this hamster's going to find his space and be happy. And that's our prayer for you guys. Be a cute little hamster. No, we are running on these wheels, are we not? And God has gifted us with this wonderful opportunity to rest in Him. If we would just take it. But don't, don't be fooled, friends, of the, of the Silicon Valley especially, to be like, oh, I don't really need that. Or, oh, I'm, it's cool that I'm working so hard. Or whatever it might be. You've got to remember. You've got to observe. You've got to... Re- Keep the Sabbath. You've got to get intentional, not just for yourself, but for others in your life. This is God's gift for you. It's meant to be sacred, connecting with Him, connecting with others in Him. It's meant to be restful. It's meant to be replenishing. It's meant to be freeing. And most of all, it's meant to just help us live out the gospel and, and experience a foretaste of really what the next life is going to be about. Uh, I'm, you can read Hebrews 4 later, but that's really what it's about. Sabbath is a foretaste of the hope that we have of eternal rest in God, including the work that we do, but the, the rest and it all working out purposely. So I would just say, how can you observe? How can you remember it? It is the only commandment of the 10 that has the word remember. How can you remember it? How can you observe it? How can you keep it holy? Starting this week, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of rest that you've given us. 
Thank you so much that this gift of rest was established long before sin entered into the world and frustrated our work. Thank you that it's a day where we can especially draw close to you. We can rest and take in our work. We can find ways to replenish ourselves. We can look for ways to do that in community. Thank you for this church body that's gifted to us for that very purpose as well. Thank you that essentially we're practicing that in some way, even even as as we pray these words. And thank you most of all for Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest, who gave his life doing the good work that we can have forever rest in him. We pray all this in Jesus' name.